When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. You know about our teams. Protect your brother today, man. Don't leave nothing on this field. <laughs> but how well do you know this week's opponent? Let's go behind enemy lines. Now back to Dan Grasso on 98.7 ESPN. Indeed, it is time to go behind enemy lines, which we do each and every week here during the football season. Dan Grasso's show, 98.7 ESPN. And we start with the Jets side of things. They are looking for two straight victories. They're going to welcome in the defending AFC champion Bengals, who are looking for their first victory coming up on Sunday at MetLife Stadium. But to help us dive a little bit deeper into the Cats, we go out to Cincinnati right now and bring in our next guest, WKRC 12's Richard Skinner. Her old pal joins us here on 98.7 ESPN. Rich, Dan Grasso, good to catch up again, my friend. How are you? Absolutely. Good to hear from you. Well, this is a Bengals team, Richard, that is 0-2, but they could very easily be 2-0. Is that the perspective they're taking and not really overly panicking so far after the first couple of games? Yeah, uh, that was kind of Zach Taylor's mantra on Monday, and 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 Joe Burrow channeled his best Aaron Rodgers today with the relax, and and there's some truth to that. But there are also some issues. I mean, you're zero and two, and um, there's been some ugly moments in the zero and two. But you know, game one, as bad as Joe Burrow was, he turns it over five times, those four picks, including a pick six. If they're a long snapper, they're a long snapper who has never had an unplayable placement kick snap in 14 years, doesn't get hurt they kick an extra point and or a field goal to win that game. You know, last week they battled back from 17-3 down at the half. They get the ball back with a minute and some change. They look like they got a little conservative deep in their own end, wasn't sure whether they wanted to push it or, or try to get it to overtime, and it ends up costing them, and, and Dallas walks it off with a field goal. So, yeah, they certainly could be 2-0, but there's also issues right now with, with a lot of new offensive linemen that haven't meshed to this point. And offensive line was a big theme, of course, last year. And Richard talking about the long snapper, that would be the Rutgers legend, Clark Harris, yes. who unfortunately went down uh, in week number one. Scarlet Nation, very proud of him, of course. But, you know, you mentioned that offensive line. And you and I last year, you know, when the Bengals were making this run to the Super Bowl, we talked weekly. It seemed like before each and every one of those games. And the question was, what about the offensive line? Is the offensive line going to hold up? Well, they made some tweaks to the offensive line in the offseason, but Still no results. Is it just a sense of these guys haven't really meshed together yet? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look individually, I think each guy is an upgrade. Um, although Lael Collins did not practice today, he's dealing with a back issue, and now you have to look back. He did not play well the first two weeks, the former former Dallas Cowboy. And, and you have to wonder, you know, he had a back issue before camp. He didn't practice for the first two weeks of camp because of it. Um, he was on the physically unable to perform list because of it. And you have to wonder now, okay, is that back issue still lingering? Um, if so, that's a problem. But, yeah, each of these guys individually is an upgrade. On paper, Lyle Collins is an upgrade at right tackle. Certainly on paper, Alex Cap is a clear upgrade at right guard at, at, for this team. Ted Karras is a clear uh, upgrade at center. Um, and then they have a rookie, Cordell Volson, at left guard, who you can't argue initially was an upgrade, but he's their highest-rated 
pro football focused graded guy. Um, and, and I think rated as the eighth best guard in the league, and they have a holdover in Jonah Williams. So individually, yes, all those guys were an upgrade, but they don't. They haven't played much together. Kappa missed mm. time in the spring because of an injury. Collins missed time in, in camp because of an injury. And so they have not had a lot of snaps together, and it shows. There's, you know, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. And it sounds simple and easy. It's not. You know, the offensive line play in this league is so darn complicated. Everybody's got to know what everybody's doing. No doubt about that. And which, what compounds, Matt, I think even more so for the offensive line, maybe any of the positions, Richard, they're the ones that fall victim to the fact that starters aren't playing as much in the preseason. And I know that a right. couple of the guys no, in Cincinnati, right? right? I, I mean, think about I mean, I talked to the guys even in that jet locker room, same thing, like new faces. How about the offensive line? If you're not getting the reps consistently, you can't expect to just roll out there week one when it counts real and then play a full 60 minutes worth of snaps and act as if you guys have been playing together for five years. Yeah, and they thought they had a couple of practices with the, with the Rams, and they thought that was going to be the be-all, end-all. And, and, it, and it was helpful, other than the fact that Lyle Collins got in three different fights with, with Rams players and Aaron Donald's way laying a helmet at somebody. But uh, it was helpful, but it's still not enough. And, I, and I'll be honest, man, I'm not even sure a, you know, a full preseason, maybe back in the days where you played 14 regular season games and you played six preseason games, oh. maybe that would have been helpful. But in today's day and age, um, I'm not even sure how much preseason games would be helpful. I think it's literally – I th- and I took this for granted. I, you know, I'm writing a piece actually tomorrow on, on our website for this. Of I think we all took for granted how much it takes time for an offensive line to mesh. We think all these guys are upgrades, and like I said, they are. But you know, th- they're having a try- hard time in the run game. You had Lyle Collins didn't hear an echo down call where he let Micah Parsons run free, and you look like an idiot. I mean, who lets Micah Parsons run free, right? I mean, you look like an idiot when that happens. The coaching staff looks like idiots. Well, the call was to slide the protection out. Lyle apparently didn't hear it, and that's that happens. But you look stupid when that happens. So um, it's still a work in progress, and, and I'll be honest, that it's a big concern, I think, for this week. I think the Bengals are probably the better team, but I think it's still a concern for this week. Richard Skinner, KRC 12 in Cincinnati, joining us here on the Dan Gross' show. Bengals-Jets coming up Sunday in MetLife Stadium. Of course, we'll be out there with all the broadcast on Sunday. I, I know this is difficult to quantify, and to maybe give a specific answer, but I'll throw it out there. And you talked about the issues with the offensive line and the things that are hurting them on the field. But how much of, you know, a little bit of the Super Bowl hangover you think has maybe plagued this team so far the first couple of weeks of the season? Yeah, it's a great question. I got asked of Zach Taylor today, not in the term you asked, but that's certainly been a mantra, which was, you know, how, how about handling expectations? And that's what it is this year. There were no right. expectations last year. The expectation was, boy, I hope Joe Burrow gets to a season healthy, and you hope he shows the signs of being a longtime franchise quarterback. And there's a lot of things you hope for at that point. And all of a sudden it comes to fruition, and now there's the expectations of, oh, you were a Super Bowl team last year, and you had a major deficiency on the offensive line, and you upgraded that and your quarterback's back, and all your wide receivers are back, and your running back's really good, a Pro Bowl guy, and he's back, and you actually maybe, I don't want to knock C.J. Uzama because I love him, but Hayden Hurst might be an upgraded tight end, and your defense is back literally intact other than one player, you're automatically going to be better. Uh Uh-uh, doesn't happen like that in this league. So, yeah, I think the expectations have been something, too, that there's a little pressure to that. Um, You know, the Super Bowl hangover term is one that's always used, and and I'm not not dissing you for it because I I think it's Mm -hmm. real. But right. I do think that in this case, I think it's more expectations are real, and how do you handle those expectations? And I'm not sure they've handled them great to this point. 
And, you know, you talk about the dynamic passing game and the guys that they have on this roster. I mean, last year, all you saw was Burrow to Jamar Chase, Burrow to T. Higgins, to Tyler Board, and so on and so forth. Long, chunk plays, you know, 20 or more yards. You haven't seen that this year. Is it directly things, mm -hmm. Richard, we tie back specifically to the offensive line and just Burrow not having the time to allow those guys to gain separation and get those big chunk plays down the field? Yeah, it's a combination, and, and the combination is you've, you've seen two teams that have played the good old Tampa 2 or variations of, of deep cover 2, and, and it's been kind of a joke in town. I have a friend of mine who does a radio show. He's a former quarterback at the University of Cincinnati, Tony Pike, yeah. and, and, and he actually he actually went, went to his Twitter account and drew up on old note cards how you beat Tampa 2. And it was kind of comedic, but he's right on how you beat it, um, and, and some of it is – I think, I think Joe has, has tried to take some of those deep corner shots. There's corner holes in cover two. There's deep middle shots in cover two. And he's hung out of the ball for too long thinking, all right, I got guys that can protect me. Well, they haven't. And, um, you know, I talked to the offensive coordinator, Brian Callahan, on Monday, and I said, is it is as simple as Joe just not taking easy throws? And he said, it's not that simple, but he is not taking easy throws. He's trying to create plays down the field. And that's, he goes, that's what he does best. And he's right. But at this point in time, it's almost like, okay, you don't have enough time to do that. Let the line kind of get their feet under them. They, they will start to protect you better. But in the short term, if teams are going to play the good old cover two, Tampa two, and you got an eight-yard you know, in route, you got a 12-yard dig route, take those routes and throw those routes. And I think Joe's smart enough to figure that and eventually take them. And on the other side, you know, you look at the defense, and, and I think all things considered, the defense hasn't done a bad job. Now, granted, they got Cooper, Cush, Cooper Rush last week. You know, in, in week one, they were facing Mitchell Trubisky, so they haven't played like the top-tier quarterback, and they haven't really had a lot of success <laughs> getting to number, the quarterback. Yeah. Right, but, but, I, but they've kept them in games, to say the least, right? Right. No, no, I, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. Those are like quarterbacks number 29 and 30, probably. Uh, exactly. Right? I mean, so you face a little bottom of the barrel. I, I shouldn't shortchange Cooper, Cooper Rush because he actually, to his credit, he's 2 0 as a starter in this league, and good for him for that. Um, but yeah, and, I, and I, I, that's where I go back to, you know, this defense last year, probably the second half of the year, I don't want to say they carried them because Joe Burrow had a 500 yard passing game and had a ridiculous, you know, passing game against Kansas City and made a lot of plays in the playoffs. But. That defense was really good in the playoffs, and they only lost one guy off that defensive unit, Larry Ogunjobi, who's with the Steelers, and they have a guy in rotational guy, a former Giants player, B.J. Hill, that they love, and B.J. in that trade with Billy Price last year came in and was great in a rotational role. So, yeah, I, I, this defense has played more than adequately enough. You know, you go to week one, they give up 23 points, three of those in overtime, seven of those on a pick six. They give up 175 yards in overtime. So while they played Mitch Trubisky, and a mediocre to less than mediocre to maybe even bad offense. They dominated that offense. The last week after the first two drives, the the the, the, uh, the Cowboys had 155 yards in the first two drives. They had 109 yards over the next you know five drives, or the, really the last of the game until the very last drive of the game. So this defense has played really really well. But I will say that, and and not to to blow smoke up your, your audience's butt, but the mm. bottom line is this is this is the best offense they played in three weeks. You know Joe Flacco's been great. Garrett Wilson's great. You know, this is the best offense they've played, so let's see what this defense is made of. Garrett Wilson, of course, the uh, son of Ohio there, making a big uh, big yep. impression in the NFL here, and certainly uh, has almost become the star of the NFL after what he did last week, of course, against the Cleveland Browns. How much of the revenge factor has been talked about so far this week, Richard, with the guys who were on this team last year? They remember what Mike White happened to sure. them last year on Halloween here at MetLife Stadium. 
Yeah, I, I think they would probably like the shot at Mike White a second time around to go, <laughs> oh, that guy, oh, sure, Mr. Checkdown and running back throw 400 yards against this guy. But I do think there's some truth to that. And, and you know this league. I mean, um, you're riding high, and at the point they went into to, to MetLife last year, they were riding pretty high, and they felt pretty good. And it felt like a really signature win uh, in Baltimore early that year. And, and everything, oh, and you're facing this Mike White guy out of Western Kentucky, and, and who is he? And he can't beat you. Um, and he d- did. And I, I think that was actually a turnaround moment for that team of, all right, we can't let anybody sneak up on us anymore. Um, you know, Joe Flacco's not going to sneak up on you. Uh, Mike White did. You know, Joe Flacco's got skins in this game, and, and, and he's done a lot of great things. And he's off to obviously a really good start. So, yeah, there is revenge because of that. But I think they would they'd probably like to exact some revenge on Mike White because he really did a number on him. And they'll take a win, I think, at this point, no matter who the opposing quarterback is. They just no want to question. get this thing right. No right, question. Get ahead and right back in the same direction they were a year ago here. But we'll see what happens. Richard, should be a fun one on Sunday. Always appreciate you hopping on and talking some shop here. And uh, we'll talk to you real soon. Dan, thanks very much as always. Take care. All right, be good. There's Richard Skinner, KRC 12 in Cincinnati. Does a great job covering the Bengals. Knows the team inside and out there. And, hey, bottom line. You know, this is a Bengals team that you could talk about revenge and you could talk about wanting to get back at the Jets and all these things. Bottom line is they got to win a game. They want to win a game. I mean, the statistics are out there. No team since the NFL landed the extra playoff team that has begun 0-2 has made the playoffs, right? Nobody has made the playoffs starting 0-2. So Cincinnati, along with these other clubs, are looking to buck that trend. And more importantly, think about what a loss could be. You know, 0-3 is not the start that you want to get off to, especially in that division, the way it's playing itself out right now, where at least on paper, you think that Baltimore is the team to beat. You know, the Steelers are going through a transition with the quarterbacks and everything. No Watt for a couple of more weeks. And, you know, Cleveland is going to have to live without Deshaun Watson until late November. So there's opportunity here, but not if you start 0-3. And Cincinnati's going to want to try to turn this thing around coming up on Sunday. 800-919-3776, that's the telephone number. When we come back, we'll talk about the team that Cincinnati's playing on Sunday. That would be the Jets, and how is their quarterback situation going to play itself out over the next couple of weeks? Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C. Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. 
Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Say, Richard became, um, at least on my show, at another stop last year during the Bengals' run to the Super Bowl. Richard became almost like their good luck charm. And it was like a running joke because we had him on the morning of the first playoff game that they had in the wild card round when they beat the Raiders, and they won. And he did a good job, you know, breaking down the game and everything. Like, oh, so we have Richard back on the next week. And then they go into, what was it, Tennessee was the next round. Same thing. They win the game. <laughs> and then it's like, well, got to have Richard on again for the, the championship game against Kansas City. Same thing. They win the championship game. And then they go into the Super Bowl. So we thought it was almost like fate complete. Bengals were going to win the Super Bowl as long as Richard came on the show before. He did, but they came up just short against the Rams. Of course, out there in L.A. But uh, we thank him for hopping on with us here. And, you know, it's, it, looking ahead to this game for the Jets, on paper, you look at it and you say, well, the Jets are coming off this great win against the Cleveland Browns. Improbable. Some would say miraculous. But it was a win. And now your season is back on track. How do you build momentum off of a victory like that? And then you're going up against a Cincinnati team, which, as you just heard, hasn't won a game yet. They've lost two pedestrian quarterbacks. The offense really has not gotten on track yet. The offensive line has been a disaster. You know, Burrow's been dropped 13 times already this year. And you expect the Jets to tee off on him on Sunday. Well, not so fast. Because the Jets are not good enough yet to be in a position where you say, oh, yeah, they should win this game. They're supposed to win this game. Vegas doesn't think so. Right? Vegas still thinks Cincinnati's the better team. That's why they're favored in the game. Jets could win the game. It's an opportunity if they keep doing what the first two opponents did to Cincinnati. But will they? You know, I told you, I talked to, to C.J. Mosley and Garrett Wilson today. And you'll hear those interviews on the pregame show coming up on Sunday. And I asked C.J. specifically a question because Bengals are 0-2. And I liken that analogy where you say, well, you know what? An animal is always his most dangerous when he's wounded, right? And that's maybe what you think of a team that's 0-2 in Cincinnati's case. And I thought that CJ had a really, really good answer. And it wasn't an answer that I was expecting, to be quite honest with you. He said to me, you know what? No, I don't look at it that way. Because for far too long, we, meaning the Jets, have been the team that was down and out. We might as well have been that wounded animal for all those years. So we're approaching this as it's our game to win. Let's take advantage of this opportunity. Let's get out of this permanent rut that the franchise has been in pretty much for the last decade. And I thought that was refreshing. I really and truly do. But you've got to go out there and prove it, of course. Nothing is going to be handed to them. But that place is going to be rocking on Sunday. It really is. I know that um, they're expecting a really, really good crowd out there. You know, we'll do our thing, of course. Mangold going into the ring of honor. Should be a lot of fun. Now, Joe Flacco is going to be the quarterback. And Robert Sala, when he met the media today, he was asked, among other things, for an update on the team's normal starting quarterback, Zach Wilson. Yeah, he'll take another step up. It's not going to be much different, but he's still going to be in practice. And he's progressing very well. Uh, I like the way he's moving, but we'll ramp him up just a touch more, get to the reevaluation, and, and make decisions on how he needs to proceed from there. Is he still on track for week four? It's the earliest that we were given. He is progressing very well, and I don't want to talk for doctors, but it's the earliest, but we are confident that he's looking really good. So we'll see. Essentially what he did, 
is that he left that door open, right? He left that door open to where maybe, just maybe, there is a little possibility that let's say the Jet offense goes out there and continues to light it up this week, and they pick up right where they left off in those final two minutes against the Cleveland Browns that is it crazy to suggest Joe Flacco starts against the Pittsburgh Steelers in week four? Now, eventually, Zach's got to play. Because you need to find out at the end of the year where his game is at. you got to find out what you have in Zach Wilson. And even though that Flacco has looked really good or looked really good on Sunday and played a great football game, yes, you hope it continues, but Zach Wilson is the future of your team. You know, Robert Salas said that today. He's the future of this organization. When he's ready to play, he's going to play. So I don't think that his job is at any risk. What I think it does is that the better Flacco continues to play, it gives you a little bit of reassurance in that should something happen to Zach Wilson again, then maybe you could put Joe Flacco in there and not skip a beat, especially if the winds keep piling up. And maybe you have a little bit of a season worth talking about. Never know. 800-919-3776. That's the number. Let's say hi to Ira. He's in Staten Island. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Ira, how are you? Uh, good evening, Dan. How are you? And Hello, Ira. Totally I'm good. Agree. What's going on? How are you? Well, everything's good. good, and I totally agree with you. This is a winnable game. It doesn't mean the Jets are expected to win or that they're going to go win the game. This is a game they're coming home after this crazy win there in Cleveland, and we're going to see what this team's all about. And I never like facing a team that's 0-2, that's desperate, that's looking to get their first win of the season. But to me, all the pressure's on the Bengals. The Jets are playing with house money. They could go in there and they could play loose. And, you know, for all the good things that, you know, Flacco and the offense did towards the end of the game, they still got to clean up some stuff defensively because if they don't get to borrow and then if they don't pressure this guy, you know the secondary, you know, uh, Jacoby Brissett, you know, went up and down the field against them. Right. Burrow, with his with his skill position, he's going to make it a lot more difficult. So either they clean up the back end or they get pressure on this guy. But at the end of the day, I, I think this is going to be it's a, I think it's going to be a shootout. It's probably the last team that has the ball is going to win this game. And I think this is a game that listen when Wilson went down, I thought this team could go two and two with Flacco, and I'm going to stick with it. I think we're going to win one of the next two games. And I hope it's uh, hopefully it's this one, and then maybe I'll be talking about maybe going into Pittsburgh what, one week at a time. Uh, just give me a game. Keep me in the game in the fourth quarter, and hopefully we'll get the breaks. And I don't think that that's too outrageous to suggest, Ira, and I think you put it perfectly, and I thank you for the phone call. I, I, I will say this. I, you almost don't want it to be a shootout because you would hope that, you know, the defense plays a little bit better than they did, let's say, last week. And – you know, that defense got worn out by Cleveland. Give credit where credit's due. Give credit where credit's due. But they were gassed a little bit there in the fourth quarter. I talked to a couple of guys in that locker room today on that side of the ball, and they, you know, they admitted as much that, yeah, that was a physical game. And especially, I mean, look at how Cleveland attacked that defense. It's almost like you take, you know, like you're chopping a tree down in the forest. You just keep chopping away, chopping away. And then by the time the fourth quarter came, you know, the tree is ready to fall. And that's kind of how I thought the Jet defense was by that fourth quarter. Having to deal with that run all game long. And then you started to see some big runs in that final 15 minutes from the Browns. You saw a lot of, a lot of arm tackling by that defense, which led to missed tackles. So that's something that they can ill afford to have happen to them. Now, 
I think the other problem that the Jets are facing with right now on that defensive side of the ball is in the back end with the secondary. You know, the safeties have not played as well as maybe you thought they would at the beginning of the season. Now, certainly there's plenty of time, plenty of time to turn things around. But, you know, I don't think Joyner has played very well. Whitehead, I don't think, is 100%. He's banged up. Remember, he hurt his ankle, and it sounded like he was going to be out for a few weeks. But he was able to suck it up and play last week in Cleveland. You hope that, you know, it's not going to be too much of an obstacle for him to get back to being the player that they thought they were getting, the guy who won a Super Bowl with Tampa Bay. It was going to be a big part of this defense here. But those guys have to be a little bit better on the back end, and they'll be the first ones to tell you that. Is it a winnable game this week? 100%. And you almost, like, if you are looking at, if you are looking at, okay, two and two in the first four, that's how you want to go about attacking this thing, might as well just get that second one here. Get that second one out of the way, put it in your pocket, and then you take your chances in Pittsburgh, a place where historically the Jets have not played well, but it is going to be Mitchell Trubisky. Maybe. Maybe. T.J. Watt isn't going to play, which is a good sign. That defense is a lot easier to attack without T.J. Watt, who might be the best defensive player not named Aaron Donald in the NFL, certainly the best edge rusher. But Pittsburgh plays tomorrow night, right? They play against the Browns. What happens if the Steelers' offense struggles tomorrow? Does Mike Tomlin make the switch to Kenny Pickett for that fourth game with 10 days to get ready for it? And are the Jets going to be facing a rookie quarterback in week four? Can't rule anything out at this point because you know that Trubisky's not the future. Kenny Pickett is. And as soon as they make that switch, Pittsburgh is immediately shifting into the mind frame of we need to find out what we have in this kid because that's what we took him in the first round for. Judge, by the way, third at bat of the night, doubles. So he's got two doubles on the evening. Got his batting average up to 318. So right now he is still your triple crown winner in the American League, but he's still stuck on 60 home runs. Boy, what a horrible year. He's stuck on 60. Kidding. 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. Hey, when we come back, we're going to switch gears and talk about that other football team in town, the team that's 2-0, and the New York Football Giants, and we're going to hear from a guy who a lot was expected from and hasn't necessarily delivered in those returns. We're talking about Kenny Galladay, who spoke today, and let's just say he wasn't very happy. Dan Gross's show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Dan Grasso Show, 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Reminder, by the way, remember Monday, 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 this upcoming Monday, Giants are playing the Cowboys, Monday Night Football. We are going to take our show on the road. That's right, Resorts World NYC 
110-00 Rockaway Boulevard in Queens. So we will be out there. Bart Oates, former Giant, two-time Super Bowl. Well, he won three Super Bowls, but two with the Giants. Uh, you know, Pro Bowl Center is going to be there to join me as well. So we're going to do our entire three-hour show, not just a little meet-and-greet thing, kissing babies and that sort of stuff. Full show from the uh, the bar area there, Bar thir- uh, Bar 360. So Monday night, looking forward to seeing everybody out there. Resorts World, NYC, Rockaway Boulevard in Queens. Looking forward to it. So that should be a lot of fun. And also, by the way, I know that we were telling you for days that tomorrow uh, I was going to be filling in for Greeny and doing his show at 10 a.m. That is not going to happen. There was a change of plans there. Greeny's going to be on. Greeny's going to be doing his show. So we will be back normal time, 7 p.m., uh, as per usual, right here on 98.7 p.m. Speaking of, speaking of the football giants, they're going to be playing the Cowboys on Monday. And I think it goes without saying, the Giants to me are one of probably the most, if not the number one biggest, pleasant, most surprising team, whatever terminology you want to use, so far here in the NFL season over the first two weeks. Um, nobody expected it. I know that it hasn't been pretty, you know, by combined four points. They've won ugly, but they've won. Because for so many years, the Giants find ways to lose those games. And certainly in recent history, they find ways to lose those games. I think Brian Dayball and the philosophy, the philosophy that he has incorporated into this team, it's been refreshing, hasn't it? It's about, I don't care how much money you're making. I don't care who drafted you, where you were drafted. We're going to play the best guys. That is how they have conducted themselves here. And no more so than what's happening here at the wide receiver position. And when you're looking at the snaps and you're looking at the playing time for some of these wideouts. If you look at the snap chart on Sunday in the win over the Carolina Panthers, David Sills played 67 snaps, Sterling Shepard 64, Ronnie James 31, Kadarius Toney 28, Darius Slayton 4, and then Kenny Galladay. Two snaps. Kenny Galladay, Kenny Galladay. I like that song. But you know what? He's going to have a lot more time singing songs because he's not playing football right now. And I know that Galladay is making a ton of money. I think his cap hit this year is, what, $21 million and change. And you would think just by that alone that he should be the one out there and he should be playing. But Brian Dayball doesn't see it that way. And Kenny Galladay hasn't been around necessarily all offseason, at least on the field. You know, different bumps and bruises and different things. And guess what? Dayball's playing the guys who have earned the time on the field and who have earned the snaps. And these guys, look, he's got the blessing from the front office. They didn't sign Kenny Galladay. Not to say they would or they wouldn't have. Maybe they wouldn't have paid him everything that Dave Gettleman gave him. And I don't want to use this as an exercise just to continue to beat down on Dave Gettleman while he's already out the door and he's down and out. But they figure, you know what? We have no ties to this guy. And if he's not one of our best receivers, we're not going to play him. If he does not earn the playing time, then he's not going to play. It is as simple as that. And you as a fan, if you like the Giants, you should find that extremely, extremely refreshing. Because think of how many times in sports there is a guy that gets all of this playing time and the team keeps throwing him out there for whatever reason, even though he doesn't deserve it. Because of the contract he's making, because of where he was drafted, all the things that I outlined before. To me, this is refreshing. That for once, this stuff doesn't matter at all. And they're playing the guys who they feel are most tailored to be deserving of the reps. But Galladay's not happy about it. 
Galladay spoke today in the locker room, and he was asked, you going to get more playing time this week? I think it's going to probably be a little different. I still really don't know. I'm preparing like I'm going to be playing, but who knows? Like I said, the GM, head coach, all these coaches, it keeps saying you do everything right. You know, you handle yourself the right way. So, like I said, it's a little confusing. Let's be honest. If nothing changes, Kenny Galladay would be a guy who would probably be on the open market before the trade deadline. But with all that money that he still owed and with all the money that he's still set to get paid, you know, trading Kenny Galladay is not something that is necessarily just easy as, you know, you're trading baseball cards with your buddies. It doesn't work that way. He was also asked if he's accepting of this limited role that he finds himself in. I mean, I really didn't, you know, have a choice. But like I said, I don't agree with it. If you are not going to play, do you want to be here? If this is going to be your playing time, uh, do you want to be we, here? We're we not going to get into all that right now. But we're going into week three. We're going to see how it goes. A lot of football left. Think about it. Both of the teams we have in town, you got Denzel Mims on the Jets' side, a guy who already requested a trade because he's not getting playing time. And now you got Kenny Galladay, who hasn't yet requested a trade deadline, but things seem to be kind of moving in that direction. And he's not getting out there on the field. One guy makes a ton of money. The other guy, one guy was a big free agent acquisition. The other guy was a pretty high draft choice who just can't find his way onto the field in this role in this offense. Which one is it? You know, have they come out and said, by the way, you know, has anybody posed that question? Maybe Kenny Galladay, they feel, is not a good fit for this system, this offense? Maybe. Because that's also the other thing that changed. It's not just the regime. It's not just the coaching staff. It's not the new GM. It's also a new system, too. Just like what happened with... Denzel Mims, not that I'm comparing the two specifically, but Denzel Mims, remember, he was drafted when Adam Gase was still the head coach, and they ran a completely different offense to what they're running now under Mike LaFleur. Does anybody bother to check in with Brian Dayball, Mike Kafka, and ask, well, I mean, does he fit the offense? Because that also could be holding things up here. That's a distinct possibility. And now the Giants have managed to win two games. Like I said, what's got to make it satisfying for you as a fan is they've won a couple of games, and yet their two edge rushers haven't even played yet this year, including Kayvon Thibodeau, who, you know, was one of the most hyped rookies coming onto this football team in quite some time, thinking that if he plays up to his capabilities, what type of havoc he can wreak from the outside. So Thibodeau's getting close. He was asked about practice today, and... Does he think he's confident he's going to be on the field against the Cowboys Monday night? Today was definitely got a lot of progress. Was able to open it up, do a lot more things. So, yeah, today I'm definitely confident today. You were optimistic about yeah. week two last yeah. week. Do you feel optimistic this week about Dallas? Saying one plus one is two. So, you know, I'm, we're building right now. We're building. I ain't going to be too want to get too far ahead of myself, but we're, we're taking the right steps. One plus one is two. A little fun with math there from Kayvon Thibodeau. And he also doesn't want to hear any more questions about whether he's playing or whether he's not playing. All right, let's, let's just take a timeout. Let's decompress. Let's restart the cameras, roll them back. Only ask questions that we don't know the answer to. Okay, if we don't know the answer, let's ask him. If we know the answer, I'm the only person that can go out there and play, so I'm the only one that can say if I'm able to play. Ooh, 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 Kevin, I got a question. I got a question. Favorite late-night snack? Go. You know, he doesn't want to ask any or hear any football questions. You know, just ask him things like that. Why not? Right? I mean, he's going to play at some point. And that, imagine, like, if the Giants get, boy, if the Giants get this one this week, and it's not going to be easy, by the way, just like it's not going to be easy for the Jets with Cincinnati, right? Cowboys showed you last week that they're capable of winning football games with Cooper Rush. And do we really know what the Giants are yet? Big picture-wise, do we really know what this team is going to be when it's all said and done, right? You like the steps. 
that they're taking, but they are far from a finished product. They're far from a team right now that you could say is automatically going to step on the field at home on Monday Night Football and be expected to win a game. I don't, I don't care against who it is. Even though they're playing a backup quarterback and the guy who's only got a couple of starts under his belt. Still got to go out there and work. You still got to go out there and make it happen. And it ain't going to be easy for this giant team. I thought last week was when they were going to stub their toe against Carolina and they were able to pull it out. This, one thing you do know, there are going to be a ton of Cowboy fans in that building. If you know anything about MetLife, visiting fans find their way in and Cowboy fans, they travel in droves. There's no more well-traveled visiting fan probably in the NFL than the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas and Pittsburgh, those are the two that I think have the biggest representation when you're talking about the fans that travel. 800-919-3776, that's the number. Let's say hi to Artie in Brooklyn. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. What's up, Art? Isn't it amazing what two minutes can do to you? To you, to you, to you, to you whole outlook. You, you come in, there's no way they beat Cincinnati. Why are they starting Flacco? Uh, this team is like, again, and, and now all of a sudden, no, there's not going to be any white calls or anything like that. You know, we're nope. all hyped up. Hey, maybe we could beat Cincinnati and stuff like that. So I'm losing Dallas. So I'm going to ask you a couple of uh, criticism questions. Yes, sir. And see if you agree. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Cooper catches the first pass, and I'm like, who the heck is this guy, Cooper? Not even thinking. It could be Amari Cooper that, you know, from, from the Cowboys. Yeah, I find that Cowboys, Raiders, yeah. Right, Raiders, whatever. He's good. Yep. So now it's third down. This guy's already caught like four or five passes. It's third down, goal to goal. And I see Michael Carter lining up <laughs> against Cooper. And Gardner's <laughs> right next to him. I'm like, what the hell are they doing? So, I mean, Saleh's my defensive coach, right? If it was a big call, big mix-up. Cooper was the start all the whole game. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, when Cincinnati comes in, they're not gonna let figure what's his name just throw for two hundred yards to him, are they? You know what the big art, you know Art, you know what the big difference is, at least on the surface between Cleveland and Cincinnati? Cleveland's got three pro bowlers on their offensive line. Cincinnati's offensive line, at least through the first two weeks, couldn't block me and you. Right. So let's see. So uh, Dawson, Dawson who was who was eating up Beckham last year, and it's supposed to be great in spring training camp. I haven't seen him yet. Can we can we light up Cincinnati? He should be psyched up for his old team. That's number one. And the second one is this, okay? Mm-hmm. I know successful teams could run the ball, and then they could stop the run. You've you got to do those two things. It's 31, two straight series in a row, okay? I know the guy came from San Francisco, but we don't have Jerry Rice and, and Joe Montana. Can we run the ball? He's throwing outs to the tight end, and he's doing spread offense with no running back. And then the announcer who's there, he says, listen, I don't like this. On third and one, at least be behind the center. So at least fake the run, a threat of a run, instead of this shotgun. How do you shotgun yeah. on third and one? I don't get it. All right. Art, that's everybody. I see too many teams do that. And I thank you for the phone call, my friend. Like, you know, you're third and one. You need this much to get a first down, and you're going to start your quarterback in the shotgun because you're just going to tack on an extra four or five yards for the game, the line that you have to gain. That makes no sense to me. None. I'll tell you this. If I was coaching a team, my quarterback would never be in shotgun on third and one or fourth and one, and too many people do it. 
I'm going to coach a team one day. I'll find some time. We'll do the radio show, and we'll have a team to coach. We'll do both. We'll juggle both. I will tell you this, though. I talked to a lot. I told you. I was there today. I talked to a lot of guys. A lot of them, like, you would, you would think one of two ways. You know, because a professional athlete, they have pride. You know, they're always thinking that they're going to win every single game. They never think, they never look at it as, let's say, we do as, as fans and, and, and whatnot about, oh, well, you know, that's going to be a tough game. They might not win that game. Athletes look at things way differently. But I was really kind of su- pleasantly surprised how many players I spoke to today that acknowledged, you know what? They did get a few breaks on Sunday. You know, they didn't try to just, oh, yeah, we, we beat the you-know-what out of them. No, to a man, they pretty much know that they were given a lifeline. Yes, they took advantage of it, but they also got a gift. And they also know that they have to be better, and you can't just rely on that gift to happen every single week because that happens maybe once in 20 years, not every single Sunday. They know they have to be better. I found that refreshing. And if you're a Jet fan, I think that that's encouraging going into this week's game because they know they have to be better. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Dan Grasso Show. We roll till 10 right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Tomorrow, week three already in the National Football League. You believe it? Week three. Felt like the season started like five minutes ago. Steelers, Brownies. AFC North showdown, of course. The and I, look, I'm really curious to see how the Browns come out and, and play tomorrow night, given everything that happened last week in the final two minutes uh, against the Jets. I mean, it goes without saying. Let's say hi to Richard. He's in Manhattan. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Richard, good evening, my friend. How are you? Hi, Dan. You know, I saw, I see you on uh, Sunday nights with uh, Bruce Beck. Yes, on, I do on go on with Bruce uh, on occasion. He is a good friend of mine. Yeah, yeah, you know the genesis of those Sunday night programs probably started in the early 70s. Channel 5, which was, I guess, W... Sports Extra uh, with uh, Bill Mazur. Oh, I think it was even before Lee Leonard and... Uh, oh, it, well, well, yeah, it might have been Bill Mazur, too, 71, 72. And Sunday night, you know, that was a big thing, a sports... That rap. was big? Remember Very the George big. Michael sports machine? That came a little later. Yeah, but Channel Five had the first one, and it was on Sunday night. And uh, oh yeah, that was huge because you know the next day you had school, so it was you know kind of scary. And and, and um, my friends over at CBS they do one now during the football season. Uh, it's like a it's a Jets kind of like wrap up show at eleven thirty on Sunday nights, which I, oh, I've yeah, been that, on a couple of times, and they do a good job with that too. Yeah, Mesa was early. I remember Lee Leonard. And uh, there was a guy from New Jersey that did the sports reporting. His name was Jerry Eisenberg. He was oh, yeah. from the Star Ledger, I think. Of course. Jer- Jerry oh, Eisenberg is a legend. Oh, yeah, yeah, for big, sure. Big time. Uh, 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 Dan, I want to ask you this. Uh, yes. Let's see if you get this. I don't think you'll get it. You're a young guy, but I'm still going to ask you. Yeah. I'm thinking of a player, and we've been talking about him all day today. Mordecai Three Finger Brown. No, no, not okay. him. 
okay. Big name in baseball. Hmm. When he hung up his spikes, nobody has passed him since the day he hung up his spikes in number of World Series games played. When this guy hung up his spikes. Yogi? In other words, he doesn't hold the record for most uh, World Series games. But since he retired, mm-hmm. nobody has played more World Series games than this guy. Do you know who it is? Now, we've been talking about him all day. Well, I, I mean, the name that jumps out is Yogi, but he's he played in the most games. But you're saying so it's, it's well, somebody. Did, but this guy retired after Yogi. Right. Yogi, right, would be more games than this guy. Well, but, it would be Jeter probably, right? No, not Jeter, not Reggie. Hmm. Now, this guy played the same number of World Series as Jeter. They both played in seven. Mm-hmm. But this guy, instead of playing, uh, this guy out of the seven World Series, five of them were seven-game series. You want a hint? Who is it? He did, well, you want a hint or you want the answer? Give me the answer. The answer is Roger Maris. Really? Yeah, played five World Series with the Yankees and two with the Cardinals. Now, I was careful when I said hung up his cleats. Mickey Mano and Roger both retired in 68. But Roger, did, Roger had another week of baseball left after Mano retired. Mano, of course, retired with the Yankees, and they weren't going anywhere in 68. Roger retired with the Cardinals, and they lost the seven-game World Series to the Tigers. Yeah, Maris so. played in 41 World Series games. I thought right it was 42. It was, yeah. I thought it was 40. I counted 42, but it was 41. He was oh, No, I counted 44. He was 21 and 23, so he must have been hurt in two of them. No, yeah, I got four. He played in 41 of them. He actually was okay. in 41. But he, was, yeah. he was on the last of 44 yep. because he was 21 and 23. Cheetah was 25 and 12. So, and That's I don't cr- think anyone else will ever pass this, if you think of it. Well, well 41 is seven world, six or seven World Series. Do you think anyone else will ever play in seven World Series? The World Series one, probably not, Richard. And, and thank you for the phone call. That's Pleasure, a good Dan, question. It, it's a good question because different, though, is playoff games. Because now, especially, look, baseball even added another wild card, so you have another round of playoffs. And that's why these these statistics and everything are all skewed. Like, remember when Bernie retired, he had, like, the most hits? I don't know if that's been passed by, like, David Ortiz or whatever. Because now you got all these extra rounds of the playoffs that guys are getting more opportunities to play in these type of games. A little bit different than the way it once was. I mean, Maris, he just, back then it was boom, World Series, boom, World Series, boom, World Series. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.